on this first Sunday in September. We are delighted to present a combined virtual choir, a celebration of the reopening of our sister congregation, Portland Parish Church, a sonic reminder that if our hearts are united in Christ, our heads, our bodies, even our buildings don't need to be. So I say to you again, grace and peace to you from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome home, children of God, welcome home. Let us pray. Loving God, we come before you to sing a new song, to live a new life, to walk in a different way, all of which is given in your grace. So we sing with faith, hope, and love in the knowledge of your care and the assurance of your love. We delight this day in proclaiming your name and ask for the strength to continue to bear witness to your holy word and never to waver from welcoming all, strangers and friends alike, seeing your Son, Jesus Christ, in the face of all whom we meet. We are a people gathered and yet a people also dispersed, a community unified in your grace and care. May we approach our differences with such grace, to learn and to grow and never to lose our sense of self or to close ourselves off from the pain of the world. We pause 
not only confessing the brokenness that we bring, but also rejoicing in the gifts that you give. Help us to do good in and for the world while the multiplicity of politics and sexuality, gender and race, and so many other things bring division and pain, we ask now, as people made in your image, for the boldness to see our differences as a gift and not as a barrier. May we have the ability to build your church, which is truly for all. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Let us listen for God's word to us. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and correct them alone. And if they listen, you've won over your brother or sister. But if they won't listen, take with you one or two others so that every word may be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. If they still won't pay attention, report it to the church. If they won't pay attention even to the church, treat them as you would a Gentile and a tax collector. I assure you that whatever you fasten on earth will be fastened in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Again, I assure you that if two of you agree on anything on earth, about anything for which you ask, then my Father who is in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. Stand up and bless the Lord, all people Thursday evening, my youngest son, Angus, comes running down the hall and he yells up the stairs, Daddy, 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 dinner's ready. Come downstairs now. Before I could respond or answer, he's back down the hallway and he yells into my wife's face, Mommy, 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 I told Daddy to come down the stairs. Then he runs back down the hallway, not seeing me coming down the stairs, yells up again, Daddy, come downstairs now. And back and forth and back and forth he runs. Before I could even get down the stairs, he was out of breath and he'd lost his voice. Both of our boys have picked up our bad habit of yelling up the stairs a quick question to one another. And these digital children have only known a world of instant communication. And it makes waiting an even harder task. If I say I don't know, 
Finley will simply respond, Daddy, just ask Siri. She knows more than you do. Or, Daddy, just text Mom. She knows what to do. We're living in an instant culture with instant answers and instant gratification. If you watch an old movie or a classic TV show, even from 10 years ago, you might immediately notice the pacing. Things don't blow up every minute. There's time for dialogue and time to linger with characters. Today's blockbusters are all go, go, go with big plots and big explosions. The immediacy of the internet changes not only the way we see media and consume media, but it changes the way that we perceive ourselves and one another. And we're still discovering all the unintended consequences of this digital diet. Jill Tolentino identifies several intersecting problems created by the internet. She says the internet distends our sense of self. It changes and expands our sense of self-identity and it encourages us to overestimate our own opinion and to maximize our sense of opposition. It destroys our sense of scale and it reduces our sense of community and it can destroy our sense of solidarity. She also rightly points out that the Internet's success in bending these perceptions is partially predicated upon its ability to kindle the flames of human conflict. Simply put, rage sells. As well as drawing us together, as well as bridging the miles between us, social media can drive us apart. It can push us into our tribes because we are discovering again that rage sells as easily as sex. The internet makes itself indispensable, even as it makes itself such a help in communicating with one another. It's easier for us to communicate, but it's harder for us to listen. It draws us closer to each other, but we often end up feeling further away. Today we hear the term of call-out culture, where on social media people call out one another for their behavior, their opinions, their actions. We name and shame them online and in the media, and then we cancel them. We write them off. Call-out culture. Cancel culture. is so often given with the belief that if you disagree with me, then I'll unfriend you. You step out of line and I'll cancel you. It is the emergence of the intolerance of intolerance in a new way. But if we live in a call-out culture, Jesus proclaims a call-in culture. Jesus doesn't name and shame. He names and claims. For Jesus, any confrontation is in service of reconciliation, not revenge. He doesn't cancel. He calms and tries to heal. He sees our separation, our sin, and he names our brokenness, and yet he attempts to draw us closer. If your brother or sister, he says, sins against you, go and correct them when they are alone together. If they listen to you, then you've won over your brother or sister. 
Jesus' words stand in such significant tension to the unintended dynamics of the internet. Now, conflict is inevitable, but we must attempt to see each other in that best possible light. Even in times of conflict, we are still to be subject to one another. Now, it's not to say that we don't stand up for justice. It's not to say that we don't express our outrage when things bad are happening around us. Yet, as Paul implores, we are still to be subject to one another. Jesus flat out rejects name and shame culture. Cruciform justice involves not only the righting of a wrong, but the restoration of right relationship. We are to be concerned with the dignity of another, never to deny justice, but we are to seek a justice in the promotion of the healing of all our hearts as well as our wounds. Now, today's scripture is far from an immediate template of conflict resolution. Literally following Jesus' words can lead to more harm than healing. These are descriptive instructions rather than prescriptive commandments. The foundations are solid and the principles are good because we know that conflict is inevitable. But confrontation is to always be in the service of calling people in, not calling them out. And even if the other does not respond, even if there is an intractable schism, we are to behave towards them as tax collectors and Gentiles. Now, at first glance, that seems that Jesus is saying, once you're done, enough is enough. But how does Jesus teach and treat tax collectors and Gentiles? He eats in their houses and finally doesn't shy away from healing them. Restorative confrontation doesn't always work, but it always seeks to leave the door open. It always seeks to open our awareness as much as it does to reconcile us to the other. It's easy for us to identify the ways in which we have been wronged. Yet Jesus challenges us to also recognize our capacity to do harm to the other. Saying, I could be wrong, are among the most mature words that we can utter. It takes courage to seek the way of justice and reconciliation. Jesus promises to journey with us as we examine the ways that we can harm others, not just on a personal level, but Christ calls us to examine the ways that we collectively harm each other. And through it all, God promises to journey with us, even when we don't know the way. God promises to journey with us because we cannot know where it might end. God promises to journey with us because that is God's very nature. God doesn't name and shame. God names and claims. God never calls out. God always calls us in. So if you this day don't know where you're going or you don't know what the road ahead might bring, if conflict seems intractable and all around you or strife is filling your heart, Listen, for God is calling you in. Amen.
And so now, friends, go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Return no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and beyond forever. Amen. May the God of peace, oh.